Welcome to Sheer Clarity, the show that will teach you about leadership by attraction, building self-awareness, and how to develop exceptional self-management abilities that will help you become more reflective, more open, more trusting, and more engaging with the people who matter to you most. In other words, make you a better leader. Head on over to SheerClarity.com where you can learn more, subscribe to the show, and connect on social media. And now, here's your host, Jay Kevin McHugh. Hey everyone, Jay Kevin McHugh, your host of Sheer Clarity, back with another great episode, another great opportunity to talk to leaders. As you know, we launched the podcast back in June. We launched about 35 episodes, downloaded lots of information about what it means to become a leader by attraction, what I've learned over 30 years. And now we're at the point where we're going to put this to the test and talk to real leaders in real life who are making things happen. Today's show is brought to you by JKM Management Development. It's my company. I founded it in 1990, and we do executive life and leadership coaching. We also develop leadership teams that operate with extreme trust and honesty, all based on the principles of sheer clarity. We're really passionate about helping people develop themselves as leaders by attraction, and we work with founding entrepreneurs, which we have today. We have Fortune 500 executives and, and generational businesses. If you want to learn, uh, know more, go to SheerClarity.com. So today, I have on the other end of the line my good buddy, Neil Sherman. He's a good old friend from my YPO world. We've mentioned YPO on other shows, so hopefully you know a little bit about what that is. Um, Neil is the president of TagX Brands. They uh, are a liquidator of assets. Uh, during liquidation process, and Neil founded this more than 30 years ago, and um, he was operating in the restaurant world and saw a lot of operators were stuck without a paddle when it was time for them to close up shop. So now 30 years has gone by, and uh, he's been very successful, and I'm going to ask him to tell you more about himself and the business and get launched, and I will welcome Neil Sherman. Welcome to the show, bud. Well, thank you, Kevin. I'm, I'm honored to be part of this here. Uh, reputation over the years as somebody who kind of connects the dots for people that are challenged in business is uh, is welcome. <laughs> and anytime I can talk to you on the phone, I feel like I'm improving my own situation. So uh, you are too darn kind. So, so let's start so with today. let's start with today. Tell me what life is like for Neil Sherman when you get up. What are you focused on? What are you doing? What's happening? What are you paying attention to? And then uh, we'll ask a little bit about how you got there. Sure. I, I think, and, and by uh, the way, brag on the company all you want. Cause I love, <laughs> I love, especially when, when we're talking to founding entrepreneurs, you know, the, the identity and the connection you have with your business is so cool and so intense. So don't hesitate to uh, brag on it cause it's a quite a great right. success story. Well, I, I appreciate that. And it's, it's not a sexy business, Kevin, you know, it's not uh, the restaurant space is always glamorous when you look at it from the front of the house, but when you get into the back of the house and under the, mm. the covers, it's not the, always the best thing. So I think today I'm, I'm focused, you know, every day um, I focus on uh, what can I do to help spread the word of what it is we do in the world, which is not just the liquidation of assets, it's also the redeployment of assets, keeping assets, uh, equipment, furniture fixtures in the food industry, uh, out of landfills, and, and generating a return. And um, the, the, the overarching mission that people have told me over time uh, that has been a, a benefit of what we do is to 
is to make the world a greener place. And I never really thought about that in the early stages oh, yeah. of the business. Um, but uh, it's it's spreading the word of what it is we do and our somewhat very basic approach to helping people with headaches uh, in the world of restaurants and food service, um, deal with closures, remodels, and the uh, corresponding uh, equipment that comes into the market. And conversely, we've built a marketplace uh, called restaurantequipment.bid is one of the sales channels we have. It's an auction platform. We get about a million plus views a month on it. And uh, wow. that's helping the entrepreneurs around the country who are launching restaurants and carryouts and food trucks uh, um, get equipment in the aftermarket efficiently. So mm. that's my focus. I, I, I primarily focus on business development uh, and getting our word out there. Uh, in, in the marketplace. Uh, I have a partner who uh, we've been together nearly as long as the company's been around who keeps track of the cigar box and the operations and technology. And uh, that's been a, you know, that's, that's been a good marriage. So. Excellent. So, so walk us through a little bit, you know, 30 years uh, goes in, in a blink when you're looking back and you can see it. But, um, you know, give the audience a sense of, um, you know, growing up as a kid and then getting to school. Sure. And then at some point, somewhere 30 years ago, you said, oh, here's a good idea. You know, sure. it just happened. Was it a big dream and just evolved? And just give us a little connection between when you were a kid and how you got here. Sure. Yeah, no, I didn't sit in class and dream about being the largest liquidator of restaurant equipment in the face of the earth. In the history of Western civilization, that wasn't the, uh, that wasn't the mission. I dreamed of other things. So uh, I grew up in upstate New York in a small town, the Finger Lakes. My father was in the Napa business. He was a World War II guy, settled in a small town. And um, my brother and I, you know, slugged it away every weekend, every summer, working in his stores. And he, uh, he built a fairly decent sized group of stores and, um, but I didn't want to live in upstate New York, which is actually where I live now. Coincidentally, these are famous last words. Never Interesting. Said, yes. Right? <laughs> um, and, uh, I was intrigued by different things. I was intrigued by broadcasting. I was intrigued by politics. I went to college in DC and, and had some great experiences. Thank goodness. I got that out of my system early in life, the politics, so that mm. I wouldn't have to be exposed to the chaos that ensues today at all levels in the world of no kidding. government. And so I, I had the, the great gift of, of when I was in college, I was an intern in the White House. And um, I, you know, at 17, 18 years old, it was, a, it was an amazing experience for a kid from a small town. And I, you know, after... Uh, uh, working in the White House. Uh, I worked on Capitol Hill for a little bit, all, all during college and worked for a political consultant. And then I went to school in London and, and met my now wife uh, studying economics at the University of London. I, I was studying darts and beer at the time. She was studying economics. And, um, <laughs> and my roommate said, you know, you know, your, your mother's going to just freak out if you fail out of this thing. You better find the smartest girl in the class. And as the story goes, I said, to, I found the smartest girl in the class and I said, get me through this semester and I will spend the rest of my life with you. So I'm a, awesome. I'm a man of my word, a man of integrity. But when I came back, I realized I wasn't into the, the political uh, world. Uh, my father had sold the business. My mother passed at a young age and so he lost his fire. And um, I, um, 
went to business school, got into brand management. Big corporations weren't for me. I loved marketing. Big cities weren't for me. I lived in New York. So my wife and I moved to DC and I was looking for something to do. And uh, at the time in the late 80s, early 90s, um, supermarkets were getting into prepared foods uh, to meet the needs of the, the fast moving consumer who didn't have time to prepare. And many of these supermarkets didn't have the wherewithal to prepare foods. Today's a different story. And so I started getting retained by companies to put kiosks in supermarkets. Hmm. Um, I had a marketing background. I was a sales guy and uh, I was a scrappy guy. And uh, so we got hired by a frozen yogurt company, Colombo, to put these self-service kiosks in the supermarket and, and uh, soup bars for Campbell's and salad bars for Kraft and coffee kiosks for Maxwell House. And every time we'd show up, Kevin, there was something that needed to be displaced. And so it was a papaya juicing machine. It was a sushi, you know, display case before sushi was popular. And the, the, the buyer would say, you know, you got to get, get rid of this thing. And I was like, look, I'm no Sanford and son, right? So are you old enough? You're old enough to remember Sanford. And son. I sure do. But I say that now that reference, Kevin, and people just look at me like my <laughs> dog cocking his head. And they don't know who it is, so I got to change my shtick there. I, I got to so, do the same. I got to do the same thing. When, when you tell people today you sound like a broken record, they have no <laughs> idea what they don't. Awesome. What's that? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Same thing. And so I didn't want to be a junk guy. I was a marketing guy, and the, the buyers would say, "Well, if you don't get rid of this, you're not bringing your kiosk in." And that's okay. how we were paid. So it became a necessary evil couple months six months later whatever we'd bring a check back the buyers would say what is this and we'd say well you said if we took the surplus out remove the expenses split the proceeds and they sit down we, no one's ever given us any money for this crap that they take out Hello. of the super so it started growing from there and we built it over time and uh, you know there was a lot of time in between and we moved to upstate new york in 2000 because uh, we needed warehouse space and we bought an old army base of all things. Yeah. And your listeners and you are a lot of dreamers out there, so they know about that. And we bought a thousand acre old, old distribution center army base in the Finger Lakes. Uh, I had no right doing it, and it probably took me off my liquidation game, but uh, we did it, and now we own it. We have a partner who's developing it with us, and uh, it's been a long journey, but, uh, but uh, that's where we are. So we're national. And uh, we do work for everybody from Disney to Wegmans to yep. Yale University and, and all sorts of people in between, helping them deal with uh, their headaches and facilities and equipment. So, 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 you know, when I, when I started the show, I, I, you know, had all these principles about leadership and talked a lot about, you know, sheer clarity about who you are and how you roll and how well you understand yourself and, and then I expanded that into topics on how to be honest and feedback and trust. And then we added vulnerability, all that good stuff. And, um, but one of the things, yeah, I don't know if you probably know Dave Maney, I think at some point in the YPO world, well, Dave was our yep. first interview. He was amazing. Oh, wow. And, um, we stumbled on some New Yorker, by the way. He's yeah, that's exactly Binghamton, right. Binghamton, which is which is considered by many the armpit of upstate New York. So he renounces his upstate New York citizenship. 
And, uh, you know, he's a fancy, highly accomplished TV guy who went to yes. business school. But at the core, he's still a uh, punk from Binghamton. No, I That's love right. Well, I can't wait for him to hear, the, yeah. I hear yeah. this episode. But we, yeah. we, what happened is, is he said to me, you know, he's in a space where he's trying to dial in the access to expertise, particularly in, in healthcare and finance and technology. And he said that the way news is now distributed today is completely changed. The old model was blown up and destroyed. You know, people used to come at five or six o'clock, sit in front of your TV. You pick one of three channels and Walter Cronkite or somebody, and they actually were telling you what you needed to know. They, they determined the news. And now the news is from everywhere. And so he wants you to focus. And he challenged me to do that. And the idea of sheer clarity, when he asked me to do, like, what is the, the essence of it? I said, I actually think at this stage of the game, anybody who thinks they're self-aware, and most people do, if I say that in a room, people raise their hands and they say they're self-aware. And I say, well, let's see if we all agree to the same definition. Uh, you've uh, been to at least five or more years of counseling. You've been to retreats where you beat the tom-toms. You've been introspective. You've mapped your life. You've kept a journal. Um, you know what makes you defensive. You know what you're emotionally triggered by. There's all these things. And by the time I'm done and I say, now, if you think you're self-aware, raise your hand. And of course, half the room is like, no, I'm not there. And so what the focus is, if you want to focus on one thing to be a leader by attraction, you have to know yourself in ways that are uncommon. So as we were talking and I heard you tell the story about your dad and your dad was an entrepreneur, you had an entrepreneur and then you, you mentioned that your mom died early and he sort of lost some of his fire and passion. It just made me want to ask you this question how in touch are you with the impact of growing up and the impact and the role of your father, the imprinting, the values, entrepreneurship? What did you, what do you know about him that you took away and that is part of you now? And maybe what parts did you see that you may have said that I'm going to discard that because mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm interested in you connecting with the listeners about how much, you've thought about how you are perceived when you go into a leadership situation. Wow. I knew you would ask provocative questions, Kevin, but I didn't know it would be this provocative without any warning whatsoever, but that's your magic. I guess. I didn't that's know your, it either. <laughs> yeah. So of course you do. That's, that's how, that's how you build relationships. I think it's, um, so there's a lot that you asked there. One is self-awareness. The other is my the impact of my father and then the, the loss of my mother. So um, my father was also an older dad, but he didn't get married young like I did. He uh, signed up for World War II at a young age. He became an officer in the Navy. He grew up in an apartment in New Jersey. He was originally from New York City. He did not, his father, his, his mother's family had a very large cheese business. And my grandfather, who was a very sweet guy, um, had a problem. And the, he had a, a, a 
my father used to call it a pony problem, which I realized later in life was he had a gambling addiction. Gambling. And yeah. so, so my father and, and, and he was never, um, you know, not a bad guy, but he never amounted to much professionally. And uh, it was, and so my father came from a, uh, an environment where he saw other people who had accomplished and he, he got there by working hard, you know, went off to the Navy, came back, went to school. There was a moment there that he, uh, in my link to upstate New York, he got sent to officer training school at Cornell in beautiful Ithaca, New York. Guy never seen a lake before, literally, other mm -hmm. than in books. Gets sent to Ithaca, New York and says, this is, this is it. This is where I'll, I'll be. And in the Finger Lakes, and he eventually did that. So then he worked for different places. He got aced out of a job that moved to the South that was in the garment industry. He was in operations. And a mentor of my mother's um, said, unless you have your own business, you'll never control your own destiny. And uh, he was out of work for six or seven months. And then long story short, he bought a bankrupt auto parts store with a loan from my mother's successful bachelor uncles. And uh, the rest is history. But his uh, work ethic was seven days a week, 24 hours a day. He, he um, worked his tail off. He, um, my mother uh, also came from a very modest background, never went to college, um, lost her mother at a young age, coincidentally. Uh, at 42, got cancer in an era where that was a death sentence and uh, fought for 18 more years, plus or minus, um, to be around for kids' events, but eventually lost her battle. And, um, but they both worked together. They divided and conquered. She managed kind of the financial stuff and, and my father managed the business. My brother, interestingly enough, um, who's five years my senior, although he looks 10 years my junior because he's a finance guy um, and he works out all the time, <laughs> uh, became a partner at KPMG at a very young age and uh, stayed with the same firm until the forced retirement era of like 60. And then was retired for about five minutes and then went to work for an investment bank. Anyways, my brother stayed with the same firm and we both had the same, you know, kind of work ethic of, of our father. Now, part of that meant that my father was never around for anything that was, you know, home related, right? So he would ne never came to a sporting event, never came to anything else. Our bond with him was at the store. And it was only after he sold the store that he became an engaged father, again, on those types of things, more so a grandfather. So fortunately, he got to know my um, uh, kids and my nephews and um, was on the cusp of being a great grandfather when he passed at 94. So he lived to be 94. So one thing that I didn't want to take on was his physical absence. And both my brother and I um, my brother being in a, you know, Chicago, he, he ran valuations globally for, for KPMG and his height of his uh, career at KPMG. And um, we've always been there for our kids for every event. I never missed a lacrosse game. I never missed a crew event for my daughter. I was always there. Now, interestingly enough, a lot of that probably cost me economic return personally and in my business. But I was not going to miss it because as you and I talk about it goes fast. Like, We've uh, known each other. You and I have known each other 
coming on two decades, believe it or not, kind of the, the mid 2000, early 2000 era. Yep. It seems like yesterday. I know. <laughs> you know, I meet yeah. this big burly guy from Ohio and I'm a burly guy from <laughs> the Finger Lakes and, you know, and, and it goes by fast. And so you get that. So I understood the finite nature of life and appreciating each day. So I didn't take forward that absence. Although I think technology has really helped that, that, that uh, you can absolutely. do things it's, remotely it's that better. he couldn't do. I think the other thing, um, he, um, the, the good, he was a, a really hardcore integrity guy. He would, you know, push things, but he would never step over the line of integrity. And my mother was an off the charts integrity person. Um, and I learned a lot of that from my brother and my brother, because he's five years, my senior, and we were young when this happened, played a very, he respects more of a paternal influential role in me than my father on the professional mm -hmm. side. So, so, um, so I, the, just, this is perfect because when I'm thinking about what we're doing, I'm hoping we're going to, you know, have a million listeners one day, but mm -hmm. I realize there's listeners of every size, shape and stripe, and there's younger folks who are listening that I know about. And obviously we have our YPO colleagues who slowly but surely will tune in. But here's the thing, three things that popped from hearing you. And the point I wanna to make to the listeners is this, especially if you're younger, you know, we're reflecting back on 50 and 60 years of history there's just some stuff you won't know until you can look back, right? It's part of what wisdom is. But as you're hearing Neil, he's looking back and you could hear him in touch with his childhood, with his relationships, with what life was like growing up. He actually even knew some of the history of his father and his mother and how they grew up. And so if you're in your 20s and 30s, Now's not too soon to start talking to your parents about who they really are and where they came from because they're imprinting you and they may not be aware of it or not. I mean, we're, we're the first generation, Neil and I, I think, who were probably even use the term self-awareness and right. going to a counselor is a cool thing, not a, a yeah. thing crazy people, right? So, but this idea of, of connecting with yourself. So listen to what, listen to what he's telling you early message from mom comes out, you want to be in control of your own destiny. So, okay, does that mean you can't have a job and work for an employer? Well, no, it, of course you can. The world works with employees. But you want an employer that has the values you have. You want an employer that is a good employer, a fair employer, an honest employer. But if you really want control, you're going to have to take the risks. The second thing he talked about was he made a decision and I did the same thing. I have a decision to make. There was a trade-off and he put it this way. I could be physically present for my kids and there, and here's the punchline. There probably was an economic cost because I could have worked more. I could have hustled more. I could have expanded faster. I could have done a whole bunch. I mean, the world of opportunity for the business he started, which he started just like falling into it as a lot of entrepreneurs do. He's built into a big business. It could have been twice the size if he wanted to pay the cost of being an absentee dad. And the third thing, and this one is powerful, and it's for everybody who's listening, integrity is everything. Because that is the heartbeat of how your brand is. 
people want to know right away, can they trust you? Are you a man or a woman of your word? And if you make a commitment, do you keep the commitment? And you don't lie and you don't shade the truth and you don't screw around with it. And all of this stuff he just shared with us, he shared as a consequence of being reflective about the way he grew up. Did I do that? Did I capture that? You were, you're, you're brilliant. It's, it's, uh, I feel like I'm watching somebody give my eulogy, by the way. So it's, mm. uh, in, a, in a positive way, I'm not right. saying that in a negative right. way. Just a, right. a kind of, the other thing that, that my father did teach me, there's a couple other things that bolt on to exactly your, your mission and, and the, the wisdom and values you share. It's not a, prescriptive thing here are the 10 things to do to be a success it's it's who you are at the core right that's that's, that's right that the kevin McHugh mantra that i've known for many years from afar and, and watching it up close but the other piece that my father was all about was loyalty in other words the the integrity is bolted with loyalty now my father was a scrappy although he was in great shape in the navy he spent 30 years his his addiction was food and work right now, unfortunately, I got both those, or fortunately, I don't know, there's, there's worse challenges to have. And those have been my things to, to, to kind of manage. Um, um, and um, I try to have a little bit, there is no bet. When you're an entrepreneur or you're passionate about your, what you do in the world, whether it's a, yeah. you're, it's 24-7. The other thing my father said early on, Kevin, that, that I was totally freaked about was he would say, you have to run scared every day of the week. And when I met my wife, my wife would say, wow, that's a really negative way to characterize. As you get older, you can, you can wordsmith that, right? So you can wordsmith that. But to be on your toes every day of the week and continue to, to innovate and, and work your tail off for other people. The one thing that in my own self-reflection, and I did go through um, – I used to never talk about it. My both my mother-in-law and sister-in-law were uh, psychoanalysts. My sister-in-law still practices. My mother-in-law practiced until she was 86, and um, I was very averse to anything, whether you call it counseling or group therapy or right. analysis or uh, any kind of program one uses to to help in the self-awareness thing. Forum, in the case of YPO. Um, that in my own development, I, I don't think, and I, people say, do you ever, when I lost my mother at a young age, and then subsequent to that, Pam and I lost three peers uh, in our 20s, uh, late 20s, early 30s, and now we know the children of those peers, but two very, my best friend other than my family uh, passed at a young age, uh, and, a, and a woman who I co-chaired the Children's Cancer Foundation in Washington with who practice law with my wife also the, the preciousness of life, but also the critical nature of relationships. And you talk about mm. how that dovetails with everything that at the foundation of everything, I mean, you and I haven't talked on the phone for some time, but it's like we were together having a cup of coffee the other day and we just I picked know. it up. Why? Because it, it Part of, it, part of it is integrity. Part of it is loyalty. Part of it is you like being with somebody. No one wants to be with a downer, right? Right. And I know that when I, you know, uh, um, when I'm with Kevin McHugh, I'm going to get, you know, an enjoyable conversation, even though the world may be challenged. Now, one of my wife's 
uh, uh, comments when she gives, you know, personal branding or presenting with passion programs is she has this line in there. She wasn't going to use, but she used it. And it says, lose the psychos, meaning mm. there's people that are, are, you know, negative, um, who are just bring you down yeah. and just want to vent and complain. You know what? If any of us want it, we can look outside. I can look outside right behind me right now in Rochester, New York. Believe it or not, February, it's snowing. I know it's a shock to you in Cleveland, but it's snowing. And I could complain about it or else I could say, what, what beauty? Or I could just say that it's just a right. Thursday, you know? And That's so right. the relationships, I think, to your, to your listeners, whether they be older or young, and I think a lot of people, believe it or not, don't invest in relationships over time and don't check in with people. Now, social media is a good thing to do that, but it doesn't go deep um, in that stuff. And um, I think that that's a critical thing that you live by. And uh, I well, know you about, impart to others it. in your family. That, that, shows, that shows up in you. And I think um, I'm using a phrase now that I call energetics, energy. Um, and I don't mean it to sound too new agey. What, what it means is, is like, there's some people you encounter immediately and you're drawn to them. And I'm saying to people who are leading other people, that's the kind of leader you want to be. Like, you don't have to do anything. Don't walk in the room and, and within five seconds, right? Somebody, there's a connection. And to your point, if you're a leader, and you don't have that, what you have is a transactional relationship. That's right. my boss. I got to keep my boss happy. Now, if my boss is also an unreasonable boss, now I have to keep an unreasonable boss happy, which makes for a miserable job. But right. here's the question I have for you to maybe, I don't know, just talk out loud. It's because when I'm thinking of this podcast, I'm always thinking of the how. Like, can we tell people things they can do or think or try to get better as, as a human? This, do you think it's personality driven? Do you think there's something natural about being a relationships oriented person? I do a lot of behavioral assessment. Everybody's done a disc profile. Everybody knows certain people are introspective naturally versus extroverted. Do you think it can be learned, this, is this idea of being able to connect with other people? And if it can be learned, what is it you need to do to start working on it? What a great, again, question. Not that I'm surprised, but um, so some people affiliate great leaders or great relationship people with very outgoing, um, larger than life personalities, charismatic people. And a lot of studies have been done, as you know, that, that show that that's not always the case, that, that great leaders are not always, um, the most dynamic or the most, uh, charismatic leaders. I think in some respects, the fact that I, um, am, this is the, the rep, you know, the, the reflective side. Uh, because I am outgoing and uh, uh, energetic, I think that does a disservice to my leadership ability because of the focused execution that's necessary in, in uh, leadership. I think if I look back, one of the other things, other than relationships, relationships are at the core of who I am. 
because relationships transcend every job, business endeavor, career, location, Correct. right? It just is a relationship. And so, you know, you talk about Dave Maney and I've known him living in different places, having different roles, but he and I are connected uh, through the years. Um, and I think there was a, there's a couple things. I think you can learn it. I think you can learn uh, to be thoughtful uh, of other people and not put yourself first. Um, and social media gives you a chance to do that. You know, everybody's birthday, right? So I always make it a point to, you know, if I'm aware, I don't do it every day, but I, I send some note to somebody and I try to make it special. I'm a big handwritten note guy. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting you talk. So today I got up at four o'clock in the morning only because I have sleeping issues that somebody in their fifties has. Um, and I let the dogs out and I had all this follow up from spending three weeks in Texas that Pam and I do because we have a facility there and a, and a lot of clients based in Dallas. Um, and I wrote, I think about 50 personalized notes to thank the people that met with me. And I'm told that, you know, in the, in the early days of the internet, email was considered innovative. And everything else was just general mail. Now, if you write a handwritten note, it distinguishes you like everybody else. So I, I have imp- imprinted this in my kids' head. They fought me relentlessly in their teens. <laughs> and now when I meet people or my wife meets them and they, people say, you know, I got a handwritten note from your son who interviewed for a job or whatever, they're always blown away by it. So that That's personal right. touch is, is key. There's two things that, as you were talking, that I, I thought about that have influenced me. And many things influenced me, but um, one was a guy named Harvey McKay, right? The, the, oh, yeah. The writer. Swim with the Sharks. Swim with the Sharks. But his subsequent book, I've emphasized to everybody I meet, especially young people, it's, it's something along the lines of dig your well before you need the water or something like that, meaning build your relationships early before you need it. There's so many people, Kevin, and you know this, that only call you when they need something. That's right. And, you know, my wife, who does a lot of global consulting and everything else, she always points out, like, I'll come home at the end of the day. She said, I got a, I got an email from this guy. I wanted to have a conversation. And then you find out that he's looking for a job or something. It's the only time he calls is when he's looking for a job. So you should build your relationships, dig your well before you need the water because then you then when you need it, it's no big deal. And, and you're not building relationships to, to take advantage of it. You're building it because you, you experience the life journey of the world. The other one is Zig Ziglar. And I know you know oh, who yeah. Zig Ziglar is, who had an early influence on me and my salesmanship. My father taught me about sales. But, but um, uh, Zig Ziglar had a line that said, and this is kind of a selfish uh, line, but it really is true. It says you can get everything in life you want if you just help enough other people get what they want to be of service to other people. Perfect. And so that has had um, a profound influence, those two kind of influences on me. Um, And um, if you help enough other people over time, things work out okay. I I love this. And I want to try my theory out on you and you can react to it. Okay. I have come to the belief that in order for you to truly serve others and to put others first, to actually, you know, do just do something for someone and, and want nothing back, right? This is kind of the principle you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I, ha- I think you have to be at a certain place inside yourself 
I think what drives people is to get what they think they need. And it's always underwritten somewhere by an insecurity or some fear or something's missing. You know, right now, I love that term FOMO, right? That everybody's getting at because in the age of social media, like I'm afraid of missing out on something. Yeah. But, but for you to be in a position to genuinely be present for another person and enter their space with a spirit of how can I help you? Like they can feel that. And that's the energetics I was talking about. That's an energy. Your, your people in, inside of you who are seeking and wanting and needing are energy producing. And when you and I encountered each other for the very first time a long time ago, we were both there at the same time going, how can I help this guy? Right, so right. What, I want, what I'm asking listeners to do is, is like you have to figure out what peace looks like on the inside. You have to have some degree of calm. You have to have some sort of handle on your insecurities or your fears or the things that are going. Because if those are all present and you don't even understand what they are, where they came from, they're going to be the ones who are present in your energy with other people. If you're too preoccupied, even subconsciously or unconsciously, with how you look or, how, or what you're going to get or where you stand and all that stuff will stop you from being able to actually just calmly give away anything you have. And I was just curious, how, how does that sound? Does, am I in the right neighborhood in a good zip code? No, to totally. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're spot on. The, um, the people that, get, you know, it's interesting. Many people spend their careers, um, you know, building businesses, building um, net worth saving money and then they do charitable works right. and um and i don't just mean charity writing a check i mean actually doing stuff right and my wife and i have gotten a great deal of satisfaction out of doing things oftentimes at the expense of business opportunities because of the joy not not because we give it but because it's actually a selfish thing when you give something yeah. Yeah. You, it, it, it gives you great joy and I don't, you know, I'm not into the acknowledgement of it all. And so I think that when you help others, um, it's really selfish because you're really feeling, making it your, yourself feel better about yourself. And it's those people that are self-absorbed who are focused on the wrong things. You know, I think that, um, those of us that have experienced loss early, or tragic loss, mm. or extreme situations. Uh, if we come out the other side, we are able to savor things that are more basic than somebody who's never experienced that. Right. That's my opinion. I could be wrong. No, I, and, I and I think, yeah, and I, and I think you can only appreciate it as if you've had challenging situations. Now, the other side of that is some people get those challenging situations, and then they just have a really challenging situation, you know, they can't get out of it and, yep. uh, you know, yep. they resort to other things. So, so, so what I'm, what I'm finding is, I mean, the reason I'm able to continue to have so much business opportunity is there are people who have risen to high levels of leadership in their organizations. And when they started on their path, they were performing well, according to whatever the performance criteria were. And then you get noticed and then you get a promotion but eventually 
I'm finding there are people who are in, in executive positions who are responsible for people and they haven't done this self introspection, this work on who am I and, and what matters and what do I know about myself and my history and what's the most important underlying values that I have to get to a place where you can literally say, what's my job as a leader? To help right. every single person in this company, particularly the people reporting to me, be successful. That's what, I, that's my job. It's you know, not about it, me. It, right. It's, <laughs> it's interesting. It's, uh, uh, you have to, you know, maybe, maybe you're shepherding or setting a vision in place and then, but then it's about, to your point, supporting everybody else. A couple of things come to mind. My first boss at, at General Foods, now a part of Kraft, uh, eventually became the CEO of Kraft. And he had this quote on his wall that I'll never forget. It said, leadership is the ability to communicate a vision and gain commitment to it. Mm -hmm. It's nothing about hierarchy. It's nothing about dictatorship. Right. It's nothing about rules. To your point, it's about acting in a way that inspires others, right? And uh, the other thing is that they just came out with the top companies to work for in the world. And, you know, our hometown company, Wegmans, you know, came in number three. And, you know, they've been number one many times. And they truly believe that the job of all the executives at every level, at the store level, at headquarters, whatever, is to support the team yeah and they live by it and yeah. i mean they built a some people argue the best retailing company in the world um mm. but they have done it and they live by it they truly live by right. it it's amazing right. I, I i've often said this that whenever i want to know the culture of a company give me 15 minutes with the ceo and i'll tell you the culture i just need 15 minutes because I'm going to feel that energy. I'm going to feel where they're headed. I'm going to feel what they're about. And, and, and it's, they walk the talk. It's not about the posters in the lobby. It's none of that. It's just that when they right. get up, how they walk, how they breathe. Um, it, it's, this is, well, this is just amazing. You've been a great interview. I knew you would be amazing. And, yeah. and by and the it way, goes fast. You took my attention off of the chaos of restaurants for a couple good. for an hour, and I appreciate that. Well, the, here here's the way I like to to wrap up the show. I I, I um, I've been calling these moments of sheer clarity, and I'm I'm proving the point. If you listen long enough to another person in their story, you will have all kinds of tidbits. So I got a bazillion from you. I want to play them back to the listener, and then I'm going to ask you my uh, my favorite question. Um, eventually, people will have enough time to listen to other interviews, so they'll know this question is coming. But you you probably don't know it's coming yet. But I'll try it out on you. I so a couple know. of things. <clears throat> Hopefully, it's not math because I'm not good at math <laughs> on the fly. <laughs> okay, I'm going to avoid the. Well, the, actually, yeah. I could make it a math oriented. No, uh, no, no. But I, but I won't. So. Uh, Towards the end, I've already mentioned the things about what entrepreneurs think and how they how they arrive and how they come from. Because there's a, it, it's ultimately about controlling your destiny, and so at some point, that is part of entrepreneurship, and there's a lot of risk to go with it. You also mentioned balance, and if you're in a family and you want to play a, a role as a family member, a father or mother, or that you've got choices to make about where the career and the time invested in it is going to have an economic impact and the time you choose to spend with family. 
Um, and then we talked about, and this was great, the critical element of all business transcending everything is relationships. So no matter who you are, where you're listening from, you could ask yourself the question, how good am I? And how much do I value? And how much do I know the importance and the impact of relationships? Am I spending time on them? And then you said, one of the great quotes you got, it might have been from Harvey McKay, was that you, you build relationships before you need them. And the second one you got from Zig Ziglar, which was, you can, you can get almost anything you want if you focus on helping people get what they want. And those are gold. I mean, those are real gold. So I'll close with the question that I want you to answer. <clears throat> so standing where you are now, somewhere in this 50 category, give or take, and you turned around and you looked downstream at your life and you saw 23-year-old Neil Sherman standing there. And now knowing what you know, you can give him a piece or two of advice. What would you tell your 23-year-old self? Mm. So much. But if I can only... That's uh, a great question. Wow. Um, I think I would tell him two or three things that I'm trying to apply now in my 50s. But uh, one is to just relax. Don't drive yourself so crazy and pressure about the, the fear of tomorrow. Uh, and mm. uh, as you know, the regret of the past, then you can't live your, your life today. And um, I think that, that that would be that, uh, although that, that energy sometimes can propel you to, to better, better leaps uh, in the world, but it can also have a negative effect. I think that would be one. Another one would be focus. Um, because I've, I'm more of a creative type, um, and because entrepreneurs don't have uh, uh, somebody beating on them to stay focused, I've that freedom has made me pursue many avenues. Some of which, had I not pursued, would have had a greater core economic impact on the, on, the, on my life and my business. And the other would be my. Um, health. I don't have any regrets about family. I've invested incredible amount of time in my uh, relationship with my wife, which I think is the most important relationship someone can have um, if they choose to be married. Um, and you have to invest in it every day. Um, and, and my relationship with my kids and my brother and, you know, there's a lot of estranged people in the world that I never understand. Um, but uh, um, I think that it would be to take care of my health better. That's been one of my challenges, uh, uh, you know, kind of focus a bit more on me and mm -hmm. not, you know, hustling for the next thing or working three more hours and maybe taking time for a walk or whatever. But, uh, but, you know, at the core, to your point, the relationships and the, the integrity and the, and the work ethic are things that I've embraced the whole time. I would tell that 23-year-old Neil to, to continue to do that. Uh, but these other things I would probably fine-tune a bit. That, uh, Got it. Focus it. So, so the 23-year-old is getting advice from this current big dog right now. Oh, by the way, if you're in 23 to 25 or 30 category, why don't you take these tips to heart? Maybe do it a little more chill. Just relax. Don't get so wired and intense. 
lose regret quickly. We're all going to make mistakes. Don't hang on to them. Don't let them bog you down. Don't let them slow you down. Uh, if you don't have this naturally and you're creative and uh, all over the place, focus wouldn't be a bad idea. So bring focus. The sooner you get focus, the sooner you'll get to some of the things you want. And then finally, cultivate an interest in your physical health early on and the disciplines that go with that. And that's what I heard you would say to your 23-year-old self. And then, of course, no. relationships, too. Right. Wow, what a, what a gift to spend an hour with Kevin Z, <laughs> Kevin McHugh, uh, grandfather of 13, <laughs> looks younger every time I see him. Oh, uh, man. Let's just do so let's much. just do 52 interviews with you. I think it'd be great. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't yeah. know about that. But, well, uh, you, listen, I love you. You're you're one of the good men in my life. I have, I'm blessed with quite a few. And um, to be able to pick up the phone at any point and pick up where we left off is, is uh, amazing. Isn't yeah, epic. Right back yeah. at you, my friend. Yeah, right epic gift. So let's sign off. Listen, if, if people want to go check out the company, where would you send them? Is, sure. What's the website? Uh, uh, the website is uh, www.tagxbrands, T-A-G-E-X, brands, plural, dot com. And then our, our primary uh, restaurant equipment site is uh, restaurantequipment.bid, like an auction, restaurantequipment.bid. Okay. Great. Well, I'll let people take uh, the time to check that out. So with that, let's wrap up this, uh, this particular episode of Sheer Clarity. My thanks to Neil Sherman. Outstanding interview. Great gifts. Thanks. We'll be back with another episode of Sheer Clarity. I have a great number of interviews lined up. It's going to be a blast. We're learning more and more every time from the gifts from our guests. So thanks for listening. Please tune in at SheerClarity.com. And if you like what you hear, please rate us and uh, also tweet this out to the rest of the Twitterverse and let people know who we are on social media. And for that, thanks for now. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm.